Hey, 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 guys. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. Hope you're having a great week. I just wanted to say I hope you are staying in your heart, keeping your light, standing strong, just staying in your power, keeping yourself as free as possible as the world I know is wild. And it was just put on my heart to say stand in your sovereignty, own your freedom, own yourself. Stand in your power and just be you. And this is a great way to segue into this episode because I have such an incredible guest. I've had such amazing guests lately. I hope you guys are loving them. She gives so many gems. Really make sure you take notes on this one. I have the fabulous Rachel Jerkin. We get into all things unapologetically you. Wow, it was hard to say. (laughs) Unapologetically you. Uh, We get into all things branding, her personal journey, what she went through as an entrepreneur, what she still goes through, motherhood, all the things. We just get into it and it's so good. So I hope you guys love this episode. If you do, as always, please make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Subscribe to Everything with Allie Levine. Take a screenshot of the episode if you love it. Post it on social wherever. Tag Everything with Allie Levine. Tag Allie Levine Design. So I can share it and share the love. It means so much when you guys share them and it helps so many other amazing people find the show that maybe wouldn't have. So thank you for those screenshots. They really do mean so much to me. As always, make sure you leave a review. If you haven't already, I really would appreciate it. I'm going for my goal of 500. I've had so many new ones that are incredible and I would love to read one of yours off on the show. So please make sure you leave a review. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. As always, if you have any feedback, email me, DM me on social, sign the DMs, say hey. And I hope you guys enjoy the show. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. This is Everything with Allie Levine, hosted by Hollywood mom, celebrity stylist, influencer, and Bravo reality star, Allie Levine. On this podcast, you'll get a mix of, well, literally everything from motherhood to fashion, lifestyle to spiritual well-being all real and raw. Allie interviews celebrities, experts, influencers, entrepreneurs, and so much more. Tune in weekly to be inspired, empowered, and entertained. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Everything with Allie Levine. You guys, I have such an incredible guest with me today. I was on her fabulous show. And I absolutely adore this woman. I think she's such a powerhouse. I'm really excited for you guys get to hear her story. I have the fabulous Rachel Durkin and Rachel is a founder and a president. And let me tell you guys a little bit about Rachel before I bring her on. So Rachel is the founder and the president of Paradigm Marketing and Design. She has spent the last 10 years helping her clients make millions of dollars and realize their goals. She's become a highly regarded figure in the marketing industry and is widely recognized for her exceptional business and marketing intelligence as well as her passion for sharing that knowledge for the benefit of others. Rachel has also co-authored two books, Lessons Beyond the Obvious and the Entrepreneur's Handbook and Breakthrough Results, and has been recognized many times for her achievements in entrepreneurship and marketing. Most recently, Rachel was honored as NJ Biz 40 Under 40 winner and recognized as an Enterprising Women of the Year Award winner. And you guys, she's had so many other accolades in the digital marketing space and readers ranking, but like we're going to get into all those things. I want her to come on and share all about her, her own brand, how she got to her success and all of that. So Rachel, welcome to my show. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. I I honestly like had so much fun with you and Carrie on the Paradigm Marketing Show. We had such a great time. I wanted to return the favor and have you on if I carry on my show. And I'm really excited to have you because I know we're going to get into like all things real and raw. But before we do, 
why don't you tell a little bit more about yourself, kind of how you got to where you are besides your fabulous bio? Because I think it's so much fun, of course, to read a good bio, but like, let's be real. There's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that go into uh-huh, it. Yeah. And terror, you know, terror <laughs> as well. Yeah. So I, uh, I gotta go kind of all the way back to the beginning. So I have a master's in marketing. I worked in marketing and corporate and pharma for, for a little while out of when I came out of school and I had kind of at that time, what I call a quarter life crisis. I, you know, I wanted to do something else, but I wasn't sure what, but I do love, and I, I, I still love marketing. And so I actually made a career change and I started working for a nonprofit United way, which is a very large nonprofit, uh, in their development and digital development team. Now at this time, this was like, you know, Facebook was just becoming a thing to the general population. So when I say their digital marketing crowdfunding strategy, this was like the beginning of the beginning for all of that. And when I came on, their mentality was, well, you're young enough and you understand Facebook. So you're now in charge of digital marketing. I'm like, well, that's fantastic. So when I was there, I realized that I really needed a background and an understanding in web development and then as well as graphic design, you know, to piggyback on that because I was working with developers and and these coders and analysts to try to maximize our digital strategy, but they spoke a different language that I didn't understand. So I went back to school and I got, um, I got, I, I took a ton of classes in web development and graphic design, and I really enjoyed it, which was surprising to me because before that I was not a technology person and I found it to be very stressful. So while I was there it, for fun at nights and on the weekends, I would build websites for people. And these were very small businesses. And as a result, I would say, I would sit with them and I'd say, well, who's your target audience? And they'd say, everyone. And I'd say, well, what are you good at? What are your value props? And they'd say, we're, you know, everything. <laughs> and they needed <laughs> a lot more help than, than web development. So as to follow that, I started offering kind of marketing consulting. At the time, it was just, you know, for free. And I realized that this hobby one day, this was pre-kids, so I had a lot more time, uh, became a moneymaker. And so the business really started as an accident, uh, first as a web development company and now as a full marketing agency. And here we are today. So it was a lot harder than I made it sound. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so you simplified that quite a bit. But Mm -hmm. what I loved about that is like, it was kind of like this happy accident, right? It was like, Mm -hmm. there's no coincidence that you ended up you know, finding what you really loved and, and really went for after kind of having this, you know, midlife crisis and realizing like, I'm not happy. I need to fix this. I need to change something. And I think that alone, Rachel, like you speaking Mm -hmm. that is so important because I think, you know, for so many, the burnout is real, especially nowadays. Mm -hmm. And there's so many of us who, you know, question like, what are we doing? What is my purpose? You know, what, Mm -hmm. you know, how do I know I'm doing what I want to be doing? So can you speak to that a little bit because you did have that crisis and because you did kind of fall into this place a little bit by accident, but I'm sure by fate as well. Mm -hmm. Like, what was that like realizing that you were stepping into your purpose? So that's such a really interesting question. And I can answer that a hundred different ways. I need to like write something down. So I remember to talk about it, but (laughs) so, I mean, this was, keep in mind, this was like 12 years ago now for me, maybe a little bit longer. So I'm trying to think back to how I felt then, because today I can honestly say, and I'm so happy to say it. I love what I do every single day. Like I, I really enjoy getting up, working out problems with clients, figure, you know, figuring out new strategies, working with the team I have it's awesome. And I don't ever feel like I'm working, but back then I did. And I always questioned myself, like you spend so much of your life working. And I actually think work can be an addiction. 
And it can be a healthy or an unhealthy addiction, but it takes you away from your family. It takes you away from other things that you love. And of course it's a necessity. We all need to make money, but I really want to be happy for the thing I'm doing eight to 10 hours a day, five days a week or more. So I always, always felt that way. And I was always kind of in transit trying to figure out what I wanted to be and where I felt fulfilled. You know, it's not as have to be pure joy all the time, but there has to be fulfillment. And I look at friends now, and I, I have this debate with friends in corporate all the time where they're working 10 to 12 hours a day and they're constantly in this, you know, race to get one step ahead. And I, I think that, I'm sure that I'm sure people are very happy in their jobs. Sometimes it just looks exhausting to me when you know you're not really sure where you want to go or what you want to do. So I've always been really passionate about that. And I really believe that it's not work-life balance. I mean, I have two kids, I have, you know, you know, I have a family. It's not work-life balance, it's work-life integration. Uh, because you can't balance it, especially with COVID. You cannot balance it. You have to be able to flow in and out of your different roles in life. And I think that that is so important to feeling fulfilled so that you can, you can do it all, so to speak. I love that you said that about integration. Cause I always say it's like a harmony. It's like just that I've been flow and finding the way it works and every day is not going to be the same. And I think the idea, especially you said, I mean, even before COVID, but now, especially in the, you know, in this world, it's like the idea of quote unquote balance is a joke. It's like mm-hmm. everyone's flowing and doing the best they can. They're shifting. We're, we're yeah. you know, breaking down a lot of norms, a lot of systems We're changing. Like there's so much going on. And I think like you speaking to that of like that integration and really also like that happiness. You're like, look, I have a family. I have my two kids. Like, you know, I think that's another thing too, right? Like so many of us learned like where our real priorities are. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, uh, don't get me wrong. There are days and weeks, even months sometimes where I'm in that reactionary state where I'm just, we're so busy. We've got problems and I've got to put my head down and get things done. But it's so important to come up for air as often as possible and be like, is this what I want? Am I working towards a goal that I want? Or am I just doing for the sake of doing because it's right in front of me? And I think asking yourself that question is really important. It's something that we try really hard to integrate into the culture of our company, uh, this work-life integration concept and this concept of enjoying what you do each day. And it's always hard because you have new employees or new team members who always feel like they need to prove themselves. And we always wanna make sure that we're putting our best foot forward, but making sure that we're building an environment where people feel safe, I think is to to speak up for what's making them happy or what's not working uh, is really important. Yeah. I love that you said that. It's so true. It's like speaking up for like, what's really working, what's not. And also like, again, going back to the happiness, like what's really making you happy, what's really lighting up your soul. Right. And like, really it's, you know, you're investing that time, like how important, you know, that time is, you know, and so, you know, you spoke a little bit to your purpose and I want to get a little bit more into the purpose, but also the brand of you and how you help others figure that out as well, because I think so many people will struggle. I have hundred percent been there several times and continue to be where you question like your why, or mm-hmm. you go back to your why and you're like, I need to reinvent my why, or I need to evolve my why because mm-hmm. I'm evolving. Like, I would love for you to share a little bit about that because I know I have so many moms and entrepreneurs who listen, and I would love for you to get into like a little bit of, you know, the brand of you and also mm-hmm. how you help others find that why and how they dig into that. And again, how that goes back to the purpose. 
It's so funny you asked this question about why, because I am a huge Simon Sinek fan and I'm always all about the why for different companies when we're building it, when we're doing marketing strategies for ourselves. And one thing that I've I've kind of come to terms with, and this might not be like sexy or cool or like astounding or anything, is living in the now and appreciating the moment. I, I spent a lot of my early career looking for the next thing, working 60 or 70 hours for the next thing, um, you know, always looking for that next dopamine hit or that next, you know, that next accomplishment. And I felt like I missed a lot. And so to answer the question about the why, my why is a couple of, I don't think so much about my why anymore as much as I do about my core values and what I stand for. So for example, I don't want to work with people who lie, cheat or steal. I don't want to work with people who are rude or um, hurtful to others. I want to work with people who have integrity and who have the same beliefs within reason. Of course, that doesn't make, actually, that doesn't sound good. I want diversity, but I want them to believe in integrity and in, and in general wellness as I do. And so I try to think about the moment a little bit more and am I working with people that I enjoy working with? Am I, am I happy in what I've accomplished and what I'm doing now? And, and looking at the moment instead of the next greatest thing. So for me, the why has been more about enjoying the environment that I'm in. And if I don't enjoy it, cause I don't always enjoy it. I'm making it sound like rainbows and butterflies, but it's definitely not. If I don't enjoy where I am, how do I move to a place where I do enjoy it? So I've tried, my why is kind of shifted to the here and now focus as opposed to the next great accomplishment. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. And I, I love that you shared that because I think we're all so guilty. Like I think about even me pre mom days where I was literally chasing every next best thing, the next celeb, mm -hmm. the next best dress, the next is, and as much as that high is great. And as much as it's like such an accomplishment, it's like, do you even, you know, like sit in your success and be like, Oh, mm -hmm. I actually accomplished this. And no, the answer for my you know question was no, I did not ever. And, yeah. you know, I love that you said that, that you're really like about the now when it comes to your why and not looking to the next hit, the next high. And it's like, let me be present in this. I would love for you to speak to that because I'm so huge on mindset and consciousness. Like how do you stay present? Because I'm sure you do have so many projects <laughs> that you come in front of you with clients mm -hmm. and obviously mom life and all the things. And then your own brand, like how, what would you share that helps you to stay in that and not chase the next high? Well, again, I'm making it sound amazing, but it's not easy to accomplish. So, and I don't accomplish it every day by any means. I have bad days and I, you know, get frustrated and I'm like, what did I do today? I don't even remember. But um, <laughs> what I try to do is at the end of the day, uh, I try to, cause I never have time in the beginning of the day, getting people off to school. That's just like a chaos thing. And then getting into your meetings. But at the end of the day, I try to say like, did I like what I did today? And if I say to myself enough days in a row that I didn't like what I did, then something needs to change. So to me, it's kind of taking a moment to recap the very recent past and thinking to myself, like, am I happy in this and not being afraid to make a drastic change if I'm not happy in it. And I think that I see that a lot. I see, I see, uh, you know, I have a friend who really doesn't like her job, but her job pays really well. But every time I talk to her, she's like, oh, I, you know, I'm not housework. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> but to me there, there, but then there's the fear of the unknown. Well, I have flexibility here and I have, 
uh, you know, I, I know what I'm doing. There's this, there's this terrible fear of the unknown, just like the fear that I had when I started this business and hired my first employee and brought on health benefits, like all those scary moments. To me, it's always worth the risk to try to find that fulfillment. And I think that a lot of people that fear hold them back, fear of the unknown, hold them back from making a change when they're mildly unhappy. Like life's too short to spend your days like in an okay state. So, you know, and if you're, if you're not, I'm not, again, I'm not saying every day has to be perfect, but if you're spending every day, how was your day? It was fine. Then maybe you need to take a leap and, and try something else. Yeah. I love that. Maybe you need to take a leap and try something else. And, you know, I also appreciate that you're like, Hey, look, it sounds like so much easier, but like there are days I struggle and there are days it's hard. And I think it's really good for people to hear that, especially right now, because it's like, we're all just doing our best. Oh, and yeah. there's, there's days where it's like, Hey, you really feel like it's working and I'm making this happen. And the other days it's like, shit, what am I doing? You know, is this working? Oh, yeah. And I, I feel you the other day. I was like, did I get anything done? Did I, you know, but then I had to have that moment where myself, where I sat with myself when I go back to, you know, the consciousness and mindset. And I was like, you know what? my mind was at peace all day today. Uh-huh. Even if I didn't get anything done, maybe in the business, but I had my girls were good. The family was good. I was at peace. You know what? I'm going to count yeah. that as a win. And I didn't used to count that as a win. It's, it's the number one win. Like, so I, I'm in a, a bunch of different mastermind groups from like W, you know, women's president's organization and, and uh, you know, all the, throughout my entire career, I've been in a mastermind or I've had a coach and that's always been really helpful to my growth. But the way I measure value in those groups is not so much, did I come out with an amazing idea, but did I come out feeling less stressed, happier, more supported? That's to me, the gauge of the success of those types of collaborative groups. Not, did I come out with this amazing nugget of information? I mean, that's always great to have and helpful, but it's about how I felt when I left. Yeah, I love that. And I think that, you know, it's like you said, it's about how you feel and like what you take away, not necessarily like what did I actually achieve? And, you know, being someone, Rachel, who is super successful and you have quite the amount of accolades and continue to like, how do you keep yourself grounded when it comes to, again, you know, not only not just chasing the next high or, you know, the next hit or whatever it might be, but also like really being grounded into like, you know, Hey, uh, it's amazing. I'm doing all these things, but I also, like you said, I'm not going to get caught up in the toxicity, whether it's a good toxic or a bad toxic of like work, work, work. I'm going to figure out how to be with my family, how I'm going to enjoy mm-hmm. my life, all these different things. Like how do you ground yourself? Cause I would love for you to share that. Cause I think that that's something a lot of people, and I know myself mm-hmm. struggle with. And I, I, know, I love hearing different people's, you know, modalities and practices they do to help them with that. Yeah. So, so I'm going to answer that question, but let me take a step back. So Early in my career, like the first probably six, but this business is about 12 years old. The first six to seven years into it, I was, again, pre-kids, I was working 80 hours a week, constantly stressed out. Sometimes I didn't even see the sun because I'd be in my office from like, I would get there when it was dark and I would leave when it was dark. And my stress level was egregious. I was probably the only like late twenties, early 30 year old who like probably had like a high risk of a heart attack, like, or probably not, I'm sure there's many others. And so it's not, it's not like I was always that, you know, I was always thinking mindset wise and I was always chasing something. I was trying to get the business off the ground. I wanted to achieve a success. I wanted to have a certain, you know, level and 
every year when I would look back, I would be further than I was the year before, but I never enjoyed it because I wanted, I needed to get somewhere. And so when I, the way I'm talking right now, you know, I feel like I've achieved a lot and I can say that, but I, I want everybody to understand that it, you had, I had to work my butt off and I kept my head down and I don't know if that was healthy or not to get kind of to this new place. But I guess I actually recently had this mentality. This was a couple months ago. We had some different things happen in the business. It was like around March or April. And for the next, for like 90 days, I had to put my head down and I was working again, 10, 12 hours. You know, I put, I would finish work, get the kids off the bus, put them to bed and go back to work for another four hours and then work Saturdays and Sundays. And I remember saying to myself, like at the end of the day, every day, this is not where I want to be. I created a plan to get out of it. And I, I mean, it wasn't like the plan, the plan was a 90 day plan. So it wasn't like tomorrow, I'm not going to do this, but I had a plan. I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want to work like this. What is my strategy to change it? And so sometimes you have to do that, but being aware that you are in that state, you don't want to be in that state and you're going to create a strategy to get out of that state and follow it is how I yeah, I don't know if it's grounded, but I always have a plan to not be there anymore. And it might not happen overnight, but I always have a plan if I find myself there. Yeah, I love that. And I also appreciate a couple things like, like unpacking this one, you said like, you know, being really transparent and really honest and vulnerable, like you had your head down, you know, you worked in your office from literally like, you know, morning to night and maybe even see the sun totally been there and get that. Mm-hmm. And you realize also too, that like, maybe that wasn't even what got you to where you are now. You're not sure if it helps mm-hmm. you or not, you know? And I think that that's also another good point. So it's like, everyone's different, right? Like everyone has different things that work for them. But what I really appreciated what you said when you came out of that was like realizing from other things happening that like, that was kind of your wake up of like the shift that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us go through, you know, all kind of wake ups. I mean, I say all the time you know, to my you know friends and, you know, different people on social, I'm like, you know, my community, I'm like, look, in my opinion, you kind of get like a little, you know, tap from the universe. And then, you know, like God, the universe kind of gives you like another smack and then you don't listen. You kind of get this like metaphorical frying pan to the head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, Hey, are you paying attention now? Okay, great. I got mm-hmm. your attention, you know? Um, and so, you know, like you spoke to creating those ships, And you also spoke a little bit earlier about, you know, not letting the fear take over when those things like kind of happen in your business, I obviously don't know what exactly it was, but it was enough to make you shift and change things. Was there a fear that came in and how did you work through it? There was like a thousand fears. So I always say what really seasoned business owners, you know, the same scary things always happen. We just become kind of numb to fear. Like I, I've become a very calculated risk taker. I can't talk risk taker and I'm very comfortable in it, but it wasn't always that way. Um, you know, when you start your business, it's terrifying. You're going to leave your real job for, you're going to leave health insurance. You're going to leave your 401k. You're going to leave your, your salary that you're getting every single week or every other week or every month or whatever it is. And you're entering a world of uncertainty, which terrifies so many people. Most people don't leave that world. And if I had stayed in that world, I probably would have withered away and died. (laughs) So first of all, that was terrifying. Then I remember starting the business and as we're working, 
realizing we need to hire and bringing on my first employee and that employee, that employee within it, within like six months applied for a mortgage. And I'm thinking to myself, holy crap, this person's applying for a home loan based on the salary that I paid them out of the business. Like this better not get messed up. <laughs> like now I've got like dependents and it only grew from there. And every moment is terrifying. The second employee, the third, the office lease, the, all of that is terrifying, but I had a business coach say to me once early on, and I, I say this to myself all the time, you cannot get to second base with your foot still on first. So you can always live on first base or you can take the job. You can't be half in and half out. You can't kind of try something. If you're not happy or you want something, you have to go for it and you have to go for it all in. And it is terrifying. It's scary. It's, you know, there was a lot of like sleepless nights. And it doesn't happen right away. Like the success doesn't come right away. But over time for me, I've become very, um, because I took the risk and, you know, eight out of 10 times it works out. Two out of 10 times it's a total cluster and I lose a boatload of money and maybe piss somebody off or have (laughs) whatever it is. Something terrible happens two out of 10 times. It really does. But the other times something amazing comes out of it. So you have to take the risk. And over time, I just started becoming immune to it because it always, even if it's a terrible outcome, I still have figured it out. It still works out. Like life goes on. So to me, you've got to take the jump and just, you know, let the pieces fall where they may each time and deal with what the outcome is. Yeah. And I love that you, you know, spoke to kind of that one, like the fear is always there mm-hmm. and there's different fears and you learn to work through them. And that obviously also comes with experience. But also the fact that, like you said, like, you know, you learn to kind of just take these calculated risks and you have to go all in. I think that a lot of times, myself included, I'm so guilty of this. You want to just do things half-assed because you're like, well, I'll just kind of try it or I'll kind of see how this goes, but then I'll keep the other foot here. So I'm not, and it's like, no, it's so true. It's like, if you don't go all in, you're not going to know what's on the other side. You're just going to get half, if not less than that result. Yeah. And, you know, the nature of marketing and, and, you know, social media, especially, but, you know, if you're a good marketer, like you're like, you were listing all my awards. Yeah. I have a ton of awards and accolades, accolades. I can't speak, but I also failed way more times than those awards. I just don't market the failures. Right. So that whenever you see someone successfully think, oh, they, they, you know, I couldn't do that, but I have messed up and failed so many times that's the only reason I've gotten to where I am. So being afraid of failure is, I think, a mistake. You have to not only like embrace it, but kind of wait for it to happen. It's the only way you're going to learn not to do something the next time. I love that. And I appreciate you for saying that about failure, because especially someone, you know, like you, like you who has tons of accolades, I think it can be very intimidating for someone that may go look you up and Google you and, you know, check you out and be like, oh my gosh, look at all these things she's done. Like, how could I ever be her? You know, I think there's so many people that have those moments, right? We all compare, we look at things and we're like, how could that ever be me? How could I ever do that? And the fact that you just said, you're like, one, I don't market my failures. And two, I've had more failures and more success than success. And I think most people, to be quite honest, that I've interviewed and spoken to, you know, IRL or virtual have said to me, I have had way more failures than success. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something to really note and people to pay attention to, because it's like, yeah, again, if you don't step into the fear, if you don't allow yourself to fall, you don't, you know, allow yourself to have the failure, how are you going to even learn? So it's fine. I'm kind of like changing the conversation, but I just had this conversation with my, some of my leadership team the other day 
as we built this business, I did not build this alone. You know, like the only reason that I'm as successful as I am is because I've hired very, very smart people to do amazing things. And I have, I was just coaching someone on my team the other day. And I said, listen, we all have terrible weak. We all have amazing strengths and we all have terrible weaknesses. We all have them. And I really believe in playing to somebody's strengths and, you know, dealing with the weaknesses, but I look at people for their strengths, not their weaknesses. And the way I handle weaknesses um, are, I put them in buckets. One are the weaknesses that you just can say, all right, I'm, I'm, I suck at this. I don't really care. It's a weakness. For example, I'm a terrible speller. I could spend every day reading the dictionary or I could say, screw it. Thank God for Google Chrome and spell check. And the editor that I have on my staff who reads everything before it goes to print that I write because I am a terrible speller and I've given up on trying to be better at it. And I'm okay with that. I've I found other crutches. The second are weaknesses that you have to work on because, you know, maybe I wasn't a good manager a long time ago, but I had to learn how to be so that I could help others to grow. And so those are the ones that you choose to double down on you get coaches for and you work with, but it's, or, and then there's one more, which is you hire other people or you create teams. I shouldn't say hire other people. You create teams of people who have the strength where you have the weakness. So for example, my director of client engagement, who has, who is an amazing salesperson and consultant and coach and is so good at what she does is not great at processes. And so we paired her up with somebody on our marketing team who's amazing at processes, but not good at, at messaging and positioning like she is. And they do amazing things together. So dealing it, how you deal with weaknesses, playing to people's strengths, and then figuring out how to recognizing the weaknesses and feeling, figuring out how you want to deal with them has a huge impact on your success in life. You have to be very real with yourself and the people around you on what you're good at and what you're not and what others are good at and what they're not and be okay with it and accept it and figure out how to work with it. Yeah, I think that's another great point when it comes to marketing and, and anything for that matter, right? It's like stay in your zone, your brain of genius, do the things that you're amazing at and then let someone else jump in and, and do the rest. And, and I've had to learn that too and, and constantly surrender and be like, okay, I'm not great at that. So I'm going to let that go. But it's like, th there is this um, fight in the beginning of like pride and ego. And also like, I should just do it. And I could probably just get it done. And like, there's just so much to it. And it's like, yeah, no, I love that you said that, like, just kind of give it over, realize like what you're good at, focus on those things, and then hire the people who are good at things that you don't, you know, mm -hmm. feel that are your strengths. Um, when you spoke to that, you know, and it comes to especially when it comes to marketing, right? Like, how would you tell someone to be able to release control of that? Like you recognize that, right? Someone's sitting in, you know, doing their work, whatever project they're working on. And they realize, you know what? I'm not good at this part of marketing or I'm not good at this part mm -hmm. of social media, whatever it may be. What would you say to someone who is, you know, working on their business and they're trying to figure out how they like help themselves with that, but like take themselves to the next level to be able to be in their, you know, mm -hmm. brain of genius and then move over to someone else? So I am a huge, huge believer in collaboration and partnership marketing and one plus one equals three. So I really believe that if, so if you're starting a business and you're, or, or you're in a business and you're good at one piece of marketing, but not another, you want to either bring in a strategic partner or hire someone who's good at what you're not, or you want to decide, okay, I want to commit to learning this. I don't always want to commit to learning new things. You know, when I started this, business, I did web coding. I, the, the, the web world, the, the, you know, the, the 
the world of code has changed quite a bit in the last 10 years. So I could have spent the, the last couple of years staying ahead of what new code was coming out and what new changes were happening, but I couldn't do that and run the business. So I hired a lead developer to make sure that he was doing that. And so deciding what you need to be good at and what you don't, I think is step one. And then step two is whatever you're not going to be good at and be okay with it, bring in a strategic partner to do it. It doesn't have to be someone you hire. It can be another business owner or a consultant or whoever it might be, but be okay with the fact that I'm not going to learn this. I'm not good at it, but I'm aware that I need help with it. Let me bring in an expert. I love that. And I also love that you spoke to collaboration because I think that collaboration is so key, especially nowadays. And it's something that I used to hold myself back from because personally for me, I used to think like, you know, the stupid thing of, you know, competition that they drill into your mind so much Mm -hmm. in our society of like compete, compete, compete. And it's like, no, actually collaboration is so beautiful. And I love that someone, especially of, you know, what you do and all the levels you've reached in marketing, like that you also are huge for collaboration. Cause I think that just shows you all levels Mm -hmm. can successfully collaborate when you find the right people to work with. And, you know, it's funny you say that because I was just having this conversation with our leadership consultant today who like manages a lot of our, or or works with a lot of our managers. So to me, to me, when I work with, when when we bring someone new on, I, this is so silly. Like I shouldn't expect this because I'm not, I'm not being like empathetic, but I expect people to tell me what they think and say it like it is and say, I'm not happy or this isn't working or I don't like this idea. But when people get hired into a new company or they're trying a new job, there's this, there's a lack of confidence and uncertainty as there should be whenever you try something new, it should always be scary and you should always be nervous. But um, sometimes I forget that people don't feel comfortable in a new environment saying, I don't like this or this doesn't work. And I always try to drill into everybody's head. Like you have to bring that up because it's, you know, there's actually a great YouTube video on radical candor. When you don't share what's not working, when you don't share, uh, you know, something that you're upset about or that an opportunity that you can see better, like when you share up to your managers, there's a huge business opportunity missed and a general lifestyle opportunity missed. So I think it's so important, this concept of radical candor and making sure that you're saying what you're thinking within reason. <laughs> don't offend anybody. But, um, <laughs> but that that we're not doing ourselves any favors by being scared to speak up or being scared to ask questions or collaborate or push back. Because if we all go through kind of like this, this con- like if we just go through life, you know, saying, not saying what we're thinking, we're leaving a lot of opportunity on the table. So true. Okay. We, I know we have to wrap this up soon because both of us have mom life and everything else, but okay. I love that you spoke to that and how you really talked about like, you know, um, being vulnerable around that and Mm -hmm. being honest with like communication and, you know, being like, Hey, I nearly need you to tell me what, you know, is not working for you or vice versa for yourself. What would you share a quick tip that you feel helps you do that for you? And also potentially, help someone else that might be collaborating with someone and doesn't know how to have that conversation or get to that communication spot. So for me, I don't, <laughs> I have no tip for me. I have just no filter and I, <laughs> so and that's why I love you. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I actually find my, I have the opposite problem. Sometimes I have to not always say what I'm thinking because I can make people uncomfortable, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm aware of that. And I say, I'm probably making you uncomfortable right now and I don't mean to, but I'm going to say this and then you can respond. <laughs> but um, I would say for people who, who, who are in a collaborative situation and they're not sure how to articulate what they're thinking, 
I always find that the methodology of saying like, kind of like the win-win scenario. So I have a great strategic partner I work with all the time and it's always what's in it for you, what's in it for me and what's in it for who we're serving. And trying to come at it that way is really impactful. So if I, for example, if, if Ali, you and I are doing a podcast and you have one topic and I don't like that topic, I might come to you and say, listen, let me just, let me, let me go back to the basics. And it always helps to go back to the top. What are the goals of doing this? We wanted to do this podcast because X, Y, Z, you are getting this out of it. I'm getting this out of it. The audience is going to get this out of it. Is this still the case if we go down this road? And so I think that we always, I'm a big believer in bringing it back to the top on almost every meeting I have, because we can get into nuances and have trouble seeing, you know, the saying the forest, see the forest through the trees, uh, making sure you're bringing it back up and recapping. Why are you here? Why am I here? What's the outcome is always a great way to realign that collaboration. Yes. I, I think that's such a great point. And as you hear my daughter juggling in the background, <laughs> I want to, before we wrap this up, you are a mom of, you know, two, you know, young ones. And I think I have a lot of mine. Well, I know I have a lot of moms that listen and I would love for you to kind of share real quick, like how you handle being, you know, such a successful, you know, marketing guru and who you are and still feel like you are able to be present in motherhood, because I know you are, and we've had conversations offline about this. And I would love for you to just share a little bit about, you know, kind of what you've learned and Mm -hmm. continue to learn, because I think it's really important for other moms to kind of hear each other's experiences. Yeah. So there's a couple of things. Um, one, I definitely have a support network all around, you know, I have, I've, I've created a support, like I have a nanny, I have my husband, I kind of not the way I'm going to say this is going to make it sound terrible, but like my husband is very, very helpful, but I've always demanded from day one, like this is a 50, 50 split. Like if, if the kid's sick, we're like figuring out who's got a meeting. Like it's, it's always been very clear in my household that this is a, like an even, and there's no exceptions around that, um, support. And he's, and and my husband's wonderful. So I don't want to sound like he's not, but that's always been a really a, a core value of mine. Um, I also have a lot of support, you know, I've built a great team at work. So uh, number one is surrounding yourself by a support system. Like that's non-negotiable. You've got to build that for yourself. And if you don't have it, you've got to build it and find a way to build it. Um, the second thing that I'll say is I'm unapologetic about being a mom and working. So I am, I, for example, I think I mentioned this to you right before this, I was presenting a proposal to a very large client and I had my screen on and my daughter who's napping in the room next to me walks out. She's two walked out of the room with no pants on like completely (laughs) naked from the waist down and just laid down behind my desk, like right in the camera view, like, and and started like, and so I had to like turn the camera off and say, I'm sorry, can you hold on for one second? There's a naked child in my room. And I had to like bring her downstairs, but I wasn't, I mean, I, I kind of joked like, I'm sorry about it, but like, I'm not sorry, you know, and they were fine and understanding. So even COVID actually really helped bring that to life. But even if we, you know, after COVID, I've just refused to be apologetic. I'm a mom. I have children. I still am really, really good at my job. And if you don't like that, then too bad. And so I, that's how I feel about it. And again, this goes back to values of who you want to work with. I mean, half the management team, all my management team almost are parents too. And they're allowed to be unapologetic about it. So I think that if you're working with somebody who is 
not appreciative of that, then you need to leave. <laughs> I mean, that's saying that aggressively, <laughs> but that's how I feel about it. It's about creating the right support system and being unapologetic about, about being a mom. And, you know, that was hard for me in the beginning. You know, my kids are two and five now. So when I first had my son, who was my first, I felt that need that a lot of working moms do to prove that I can do it all. And I don't, you know, I, I can still work 12 hours a day and being pregnant and breastfeeding and having a newborn and two hours of sleep, is not going to affect me. I can still crush it. Like screw that. Like if in my, now I feel like screw that back then I felt the need to prove something. Now I feel I mindset wise, I feel no need to prove anything. I can still be really good at what I do and, and, and have children running around in the background if I have to. And people, the people I work with are going to have to be okay with that. First off, I love you for saying you're like, no, if, like, if I'm good at what I do and I'm an amazing mom and like, I'm not going to one sacrifice one or the other. And I'm also not going to apologize for doing things the way I do them. This is what works for me. And I'm great at what I do. And I kick ass at it. And it's either take it or leave it. You can go work with someone else. I think that's such an incredible you know, bold statement. I think so many moms need to hear that, I mean, myself included, because it's like, we are good at what we do and we do amazing, you know, work in our, you know, in our entrepreneurship, in our lives and the things we do along with being a mom. And it's like the fact that we, one, allow ourselves to feel guilty for those, you know, things or two, allow society to put us in a certain box for Mm -hmm. whatever reason, you know, it's all BS and, you know, I always tell people the only BS I will do is bags and shoes. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so I, I love you for saying that because, you know, I, I appreciate you have no filter. I think it's honestly one of the reasons you've been so successful. And I think a lot of moms need to, you know, hear this kind of thing to step into their own power and be empowered and know just how kick-ass they are. And even if things are a shit show, and like you said, you have kids around. Like I've had so many times where like right now, Millie is doing, you know, a little school lesson and I'm sitting here mm-hmm. recording with you. Like, is that ideal? No, but you know what? That's what's going on today. And I think mm-hmm. that the more we normalize that, the more we be vulnerable about that and real about that, the more this kind of stuff will continue to burst these bubbles and we will kind of crash these old school systems of what worked. And it's like, no, this is now what works. This is what we're doing. This is how we're thriving. And we're all actually a lot happier because we're doing it all. Yeah. I think that I drive my friend, like my husband, like my friends and my husband crazy. Cause like my husband's in a very large corporate environment. And if like, for example, you know, the nanny had to leave the other day and I was literally on my way to Newark to meet with um, someone and she had to leave for an emergency. And I, my daughter was here and I like texted him and I'm like, either the baby's coming to Newark (laughs) for my meeting, or, you know, you have to put her in front of the TV for two hours. And he's like, well, I'm at the office. I'm like, their parents, they'll, they'll live. Like, it'll be fine. So, yeah, I mean, he was downstairs and he was working from home. So I wasn't leaving the baby alone, but you know, I feel like people feel very apologetic about it in the corporate environment. And I understand that that's not my space and where I live. And some of my friends are like, you don't understand what it's like in the pressure, but I do feel, and it's, again, it's easy for me to say, because I built my business and they're my clients and I can tell them to, I can say, forget it. But <laughs> I think that we all have to be unapologetic about it to change the norms, you know, personally, because otherwise it's never going to change. Yep. hundred percent. And I love you said unapologetic. I think that's such a great theme for, you know, this episode, Rachel, I love everything you shared. Thank you so much for being as always so 
real and no filter and really sharing, you know, your truths and your vulnerability around your business. I think you're such a powerhouse. I'm so honored you got to come on and share your story. Before I let you go, is there anything else you'd want to leave my audience with? And then of course, pimp yourself out, girlfriend, tell us where to find you, follow you, <laughs> hire yeah. you, all that good stuff. So um, they can visit our, for, if they want. So our, at Paradigm, we do uh, marketing, web branding and workflow integration and sales enablement strategies. So we basically serve clients with a complex sale uh, if, as their outsource marketing department, or if they simply need a website or a CRM integration, we can help them with that. But more importantly, on our website, we have a ton of content from webinars to cheat sheets, to download tools. Um, that can help business owners and sales managers and marketing professionals uh, better themselves. So I highly recommend you check out our website for all of the tools we have. It's paradigm, P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M dash M-D for marketing and design.com. Amazing. And guys, it'll be in the show notes. And Rachel, is that the same for social media too? That's right. If you follow our, um, if you go onto the website, you can have all access to all of our social media. Amazing guys. I will put it all in the show notes. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. And guys, I think there was so much gold in this episode, but if there's anything you got out of this, it's be unapologetically you and stand in your power. Thanks guys. Till next time. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to everything with Allie Levine. If you loved this episode, please leave a review, screenshot this episode, tell a friend, tag us on social media, subscribe, Tune in weekly for new episodes and to continuously be uplifted, empowered, and inspired.